I remember when I first found out I was pregnant with Naya, who's my oldest daughter, and how strange it felt. I did not look pregnant to anyone on the outside, but already my whole life was changed. My body was different, my future was different, uh, my future was new, and yet still, on the outside, everything appeared the same. Change and new life begin like this, with nothing visible from the outside, but a stirring within, small like a seed or the change in air pressure making way for a storm, almost imperceptible. As the new life grew for me, it became clear, and for those of you who have experienced pregnancy, you know this, that I would no longer be a sufficient incubator for this new life. This new life would have to be free from me. Those last weeks of pregnancy are so surreal as the child moves and you can see a foot or a hand through the tightly pulled skin. I used to sit in front of the stove to make dinner and just feel my daughters move from the heat of the stove. The new life gets too big. It has to move out into the world. Whether human baby, puppy, kitten, tree, New job, new town, new stage in our journey. New life changes us. New life moves us. It shifts us. And disruption is usually the first sign that this new life is coming. We often look at disruption as a bad thing, right? We're disrupted in the middle of something. But disruption is actually a very holy Typically, this disruption from new life continues to increase as the new life establishes itself and eventually has to come out into the world. And no amount of planning or prepping can fully prepare us for the enormous shift that will come when this new life takes place. We just have to live it. This morning on this first Sunday of Advent, we begin the church year looking really normal on the outside, like nothing really has changed from last week, but trusting that something is growing, something is changing, and something is disrupting us toward new life, toward God's future for us. Our scripture this morning speaks to paying attention to the beautiful and disturbing disruptions caused by this new life God has for us. The Old Testament reading invites us to let go of the ways that we have, have formed our communities and allegiances around scarcity and fear and look up for our true identity in the abundance and peace of God. Isaiah calls us to rise above the old ways of war, violence, and dominance toward equality, peace, and shared life together. God offers a new way beyond the either-or, above the us and them, more true than someone being right and someone being wrong. The vision given to the prophet originally back um, when, when this was originally written was to a people who needed to be called out of their old ways into something new, like us. They had relied on their fear and defensiveness to stay safe, and it had worked. 
in a violent world. It generally looks like it works from the outside when you stay safe, stay closed off. The problem is there's no way to know how much better it would be if we allowed our hearts to be governed by love and grace, save for living it. The only way we can see that new day is to allow that new thing to grow. If we welcome the stranger, if we trust our whole life, that it, with our whole lives that love is stronger than evil, if we know that love will win, if we stop spending our energy on only ourselves and those we love most, something new will be born. And we wouldn't trade it for the old ways for anything. Isaiah's vision of disruption called to literally and figuratively disarm the people who had allowed their fear to govern their actions. This idea of transforming spears into plowshares is one of the most beautiful and poignant calls to peace in all of the scriptures. It's a call not just to stop fighting, not just to stop using violence, but to start investing in life and the future. We here in the Skagit Valley live in an agricultural community. And we have real live farmers in our church. We know that they do more than just plant and roll up a few months later to harvest. Right, Martin? <laughs> He's not even listening. It's okay. We know that they do more than that. There is so much work, so much faith, so much sweat and tears that comes between that planting and the harvest. You can't just plant and leave. You have to have vigilance and faithfulness to see the new life that harvest will bring. To let go of fear and to trust that new life to God is disrupting and it is hard work. And it actually takes us letting go of the old, old tools of our old way of being and encourages us to transform them into new, life-giving things. We can't hold on to both. And it requires our full attention. This is where the Romans text weaves into this morning's themes. Paul urges the Romans to wake from sleep and pay attention. For now is the time to stop anesthetizing ourselves to the pain of this world. And Paul spoke to the ways that, um, that, hit, that in his time they used to numb themselves to all that was happening around them. They would get wasted, live in excess, use others for sexual pleasure, point, pick pointless fights, and look with jealousy at their neighbors. And a lot of those things still apply in 2019. There's, people use those things to anesthetize themselves to the world all the time. But we could add a few more, just fun new things that we use, new ways that we've found to, to try to uh, pretend like nothing bad is happening around us. We could add shopping, or YouTube, or social media, or prescri prescription pills. There's all kinds of things we could add to the list. I'm sure we could come up with more and more and more. To be clear, the scripture does not speak in a Debbie Downer kind of way of like, don't have fun. Instead, it says, stop trying to pretend like nothing's wrong. Stop trying to, to put on blinders to the pain of the world. 
to keep ourselves at a distance from the world's pain also keeps ourselves at a distance from the world's beauty. We can't block out just one. We block it all. And if we want new life to come into our contexts, into our personal lives, into our families, into our churches, we cannot keep the world at arm's length. We must allow ourselves to embrace it. I love the poem that a colleague shared with me this week. It's called Three Dollars Worth of God, and it's by the poet Wilbur Reese. It speaks to this resistance that we have and our desire to keep these blinders on. It reads, I would like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a warm cup of milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant worker. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy three pounds of God, please. These words are almost too close to the truth. We spend so much of our time being afraid of the new ways that that God's life will change us that we have grown accustomed to only taking a little bit of the grace, afraid of what it might do if we opened our arms to all of it. But my siblings in Christ, we do not gather here together as a church to just keep things going the way they have been. We come together as a church to proclaim that God is still working and that God will use even us for God's love and power. We come to wait in the dark and trust that the small, new thing God has planted in us will transform the world. The disruption of new life will change us, will change everything. This morning's gospel speaks to this in a pretty profound way. I have most often heard this text, and maybe you have too, through an apocalyptic lens, as though it's a depiction of what some would call the rapture. The rapture, have you heard of this, is a theory that at the, end, the proposed end of the world, um, it's based on interpreting the book of Revelation a certain way. And in this theory, the faithful are flown away at a random unknown hour as they are going about their regular tasks, and the unfaithful are left behind to endure hardships on earth. And there's a lot of... Um, interesting, you know, there's going to be cars that are, um, you know, going down the street without drivers and all this kind of thing is going to happen. And it's kind of based on the imagery from this scripture. But I would offer an alternative reading. The Greek word that's used in this scripture as taken has the alternative translations follow or come alongside. So if we read it in that way, this is when the, when the truth of, this, of the Son of Man comes. There will be people going about their daily lives who follow and come away and go and work in the flow of God's Spirit. In reading this way, a person is going about their regular life and the Spirit compels them to move in God's love and grace. 
I think that this scripture is depicting how we are called, looking all normal on the outside, coming to church, getting our Christmas trees, going to the grocery store, and how God, in the midst of that, will call us to do God's work. When we embrace the already and not yet promise of God's kingdom come, when we stop our normal ways of of avoiding the pain of others and instead use our hope, love, and life to serve and heal the world, when we let the disruption of new life send us on a new course, a new beginning, a new day, we follow Jesus. We allow the Spirit to move us forward. In this Advent season, pay attention to the rumblings of disruption the fluttering of new life, the hope and love of God made manifest in you. Amen. Let's stand and sing.